0: Good afternoon to my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 55 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this Sunday, July 12th, 2020. Let's get things started by, as always, giving our shout-out to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network, as well as Grunt Talks MLB. First up, as always, Team Left Jab. They feature Team Left Jab Uncensored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, you name it, the list goes on, guys. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. And our other shout out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and where they feature yapping Yankees. Also follow the man behind the website, Darren on Twitter at YankeeReport28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jab for helping spread the word every week about yapping Yankees. And also, as a reminder, guys, be sure to follow me on all social medias. You can find my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Scudero. And on Instagram at scuds 97 Always be sure to help spread the word across all social media platforms, guys, about yapping Yankees. Whew. It is July 12th cheese time just keeps on flying, guys. Episode 55 of Yapping Yankees today, Spring Training 2, also referred to as Summer Camp, has continued on for the Yankees, going even further by playing intra-squad games throughout the past week, starting with the games Monday and Tuesday that I mentioned at the end of last week's Yapping Yankees episode, with more of them taking place throughout the week and continuing on throughout this weekend. And actually, another one is starting shortly right here today in just a few minutes as I record this episode right here today. It's almost 2 o'clock right now, and I believe the intra-squad game today starts at 2, so I'm going to flip that on in just a few minutes, and I'll be able to look on over to it while I record this episode. I definitely do not want to miss much of it today because you have Garrett Cole and Michael King pitching against each other in today's intra-squad game, and I certainly do not want to miss much of it or any of it for that fact whenever Garrett Cole is on my television. Hang on one second, turning on the game now, there you go. All right, we got Yes Network on. I'm going to take some glances over just to see how the game's going, how Garrett Cole's doing, how Michael King's doing, but of course you won't know when I take those breaks because I'll probably edit them out, so it'll be seamless, but I'll be taking some glances over at the game today. But with these intra-squad games, it has been funny to see the Yankees playing against each other in an empty Yankee stadium, but it's just great to have baseball back on my television at any capacity, so you best believe I'll take it. And although there haven't been any announcements regarding future intra-squad games throughout this week. I'm sure they will continue for the next few days until exhibition games against actual other teams happen just days before the season starts for the Yanks on the 23rd, so we likely will get some more intra-squad action alongside regular Yankee summer camp coverage on the Yes Network that's been going on for the last week, give or take, but also... Summer camp coverage isn't the only thing that's been going on, and since this was a pretty big piece of news at the start of the week, it is important to discuss, but we also had the first COVID testing intake throughout the league finally wrap up a few days ago, and we did discuss the data they had at the beginning of last week's episode when the data was mostly wrapped up keyword being mostly. And we'll quickly discuss again right now here in the intro what happened this past week as far as more testing that's been done. And I don't want to spend too much time with this because I think we're all exhausted with the talk about the virus. But whether we like it or not, guys, the virus is still very much around. So it does need to be at least mentioned. And I do want to give you the important pieces of information pertaining to this. So let's just hammer it out right here in the intro to the show. And then we'll dive mainly into real baseball talk here, okay? I promise. Now. As we said last weekend, they did administer over 3,100 tests and only 1.2% of them came back positive by the time last week's episode came around, if you remember. If you don't remember, listen back to last week's episode of Yapping Yankees. But it turns out that those were not all of the tests, and the league announced that there were delays in results. Obviously, that's not a good look. So, that initial phase we spoke of last week apparently hadn't seen its final results. And as a result of that, some camps were even forced to shut down until all of the results of the initial testing phase came out. A few days after last week's episode, though, the final results of the initial testing intake did wrap up and were released. Now, by Thursday, here are the numbers, by Thursday, out of the total 3,478 testing samples, a total of 66 tested positive, 58 of those being players. So, amongst the 27 baseball clubs affected by the virus at the time, that was 1.8%. And as much as we would love zero, obviously, 1.8% still isn't too bad at all. But then came the monitoring phase, which was the next step after the initial intake of testing. Now after the monitoring phase, through to Thursday when results came out about this phase, 17 new positives came up out of 7,401 samples that affected 10 different teams. That's just 0.2%. 17 new positives out of 7,401 testing samples. So just 0.2%. So with these two phases combined now, because now you have to gather all the results together from both testing intake phases so now you gather all of your data with the two phases combined. So now if you do basic arithmetic, if you add up the 66 positive tests in the initial intake with the 17 new positive tests in the monitoring phase, that's 83 positive tests altogether, 71 of them being players, with the rest being team personnel. 83 positive tests out of the total 11,149 testing samples, which is just 0.7%. And within those results, 28 of the 30 baseball teams throughout Major League Baseball have at least one positive test. So if those teams keep the couple of guys who tested positive under proper protocol and take necessary precautions, you hope they can rid their teams of the virus completely. That's the goal, right? They're trying to play the game they love while also remaining as safe as possible. But as I said earlier, that's a pretty damn low percentage. 0.7 percent? And obviously we hope this number creeps down to zero as time progresses, but this freaking virus spreads like a wildfire. So I just hope they continue to try and take precautions the best they can and keep that percentage on the lower side. So that's the data with the two phases thankfully now wrapped up. You certainly do not want to see delays in the testing processes. That's the last thing you need. And of course, as time goes along, tests will continue to be done, and they'll stay on top of this. But only 0.7% positive tests out of well over 11,000 samples? Just 83 positive tests out of over 11,000 samples? I'd say that's pretty freaking good. And definitely not a friendly piece of information to those on social media strangely going around and saying, The season's not happening. It's not happening, I'm telling you. Yeah, 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 whatever. 0.7% positive tests out of well over 11,000 testing samples doesn't support that theory too well now, does it? As long as they keep this under control going forward, we will have a season. I can't say for sure if it'll all be played or the effect that the virus will have on certain teams, either because of positive tests or players opting out, which has happened as we know, but I'm damn sure it'll at least be starting in 11 days as anticipated. It is obvious that they are dedicated to try to get this thing going with how each team is warming up and legitimately preparing for the season to start in just about two weeks. So, why don't you negative Nancy's who keep on saying the season's going to be canceled try to look at it with a bit more optimism. I can be pessimistic about things too, you guys know that, but those first couple of phases of testing had good results. Let's just see what happens, okay? Right now, it's looking good, so let's take it from that standpoint. Because predicting the future right now, when the future has never been more uncertain than it has been these days, is not too smart of a thing to do. Let's just see what happens, all right? Does that sound good? So there's your updated COVID information for the day. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) Oh, God. Anyway, guys. I've got another fine episode of Yapping Yankees ahead for you today, as you could probably tell. We'll start off with this week's poll, followed by discussions stemming from some big points in this past week's intrasquad games, what's ahead as far as more intrasquad games, and exhibition games against two certain National League East teams. Who are they? Stay tuned and find out. The Yankees' 2020 schedule also came out. We'll run through who the Yankees' opponents will be for this shortened 60-game season we have ahead of us, along with something special announced for 2021 regarding the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And... There was also news yesterday about a third Yankee testing positive for the coronavirus alongside DJ LeMayhew and Luis Sessa, as we talked about last week. And if you don't already know who this third one is, well, then I again encourage you to stay tuned to find out who it is and how it affects the Yankees going forward. And even if you do know who it is, who cares? Listen anyway. So clearly, we've got some things to discuss, huh? What do you say we get into all of it? We'll kick things off, as always, with this. This week's poll on Twitter and Instagram. (laughs) That was some British accent, huh? Twitter. (laughs) All right, before I keep on doing strange accents, let's just move on to the poll. So this week's question on Twitter will start there as always. This week's question is, if need be, who would you rather see getting a shot at second base in DJ LeMahieu's absence? And of course, comment below with your thoughts for a shout out on Yapping Yankees. The two choices are... Tyler Wade, and Thyro Estrada. Now the reason I did this poll, and I actually almost did another one, having to do with the pitching rotation, if the Yankees needed pitching help, I was going to ask the question, who would you rather see called upon, Michael King or Clark Schmidt, regardless of who's on the 40-man roster or not, who would you rather see called upon? Because in this past week's intra-squad games, we know that both Michael King and Clark Schmidt have looked very good. Clark Schmidt pitched twice, once on Monday and then another time yesterday and then Michael King pitched the next day and now he's pitching today again against Garrett Cole. And both young arms, we know that they both looked promising in the past from when we saw them in spring training one months ago before the coronavirus pandemic put a stop to everything, but we've also seen their talents even more within the last few days in these intra-squad games. Now, obviously, intra-squad games probably mean even less than regular exhibition games against other teams, but that also depends who you are. Because if you're Michael King and Clark Schmidt, you're probably facing the intra-squad lineup on the Yankees that contains a lot of the big guns that are usually in the everyday Yankees lineup during a regular season game. So in that case, it is a big deal and it is important when you show off what you got and you do really, really good against the big guns on the Yankees team, but it is still just an intra game at the end of the day. But again, obviously, as I just said before, showcasing what you got against the big Yankees guns is is still important to me. So given what those two did, Clark Schmidt and Michael King, both great young arms in the Yankees system, but given what those two have done within the last week or so in these intra-squad games, what we've seen out of them, I was going to create a poll question based on them. If the pitching were to call on another arm, which would you rather, Clark Schmidt or Michael King? But with DJ LeMahieu testing positive for COVID-19, as we know, since we spoke about that on last weekend's episode, until he is clear to work out and return again, it was also mentioned throughout the week Week, as it should be that there is an opportunity for someone to take over at second base in his absence And of course the two main names thrown around in this discussion were Tyra Wade and Thyro Estrada Hence this poll and in this last week both of them have also played a good amount and of course We don't know exactly when DJ will be cleared to start working out and coming back And we spoke about Boone saying that he probably wouldn't need that much time to get back into it because of how much work He put in throughout the pandemic, but he will still need to get ready again at least a little bit So regardless of how much time he misses, whether it be a week, two weeks, maybe even longer, hopefully not that much longer than that, especially given how shortened the season already is to begin with, but regardless of how much time he misses, if any, if need be, again, the question is, who would you, amongst all of us fans in the Yankees community, who would you rather see getting a shot at second base in DJ's absence? Again, Tyler Wade or Tyro Estrada. Now, hundreds and hundreds of you voted on this poll, so Decent sample size, I'd say. But more or less, I think the results still speak for themselves. And this is crazy. I'm not even sure if this has happened before. If it has, maybe once or twice more at the most. But I'm really not sure it's happened before. I don't think it has. But listen to this. The results for this Twitter poll ended in a tie. A dead tie. 50-50. 50% 50 of people voted for Tyler Wade and 50% of people voted for Tyro Estrada. A dead tie. (laughs) That's crazy. Now, I'll give my take on this really quick personally, and you'll hear some people echoing this in the comments, but I felt this way long before reading any comments and I stick by it. But I like Tyler Wade. I really do. Don't get me wrong. I think Tyler Wade is fantastic in defense and definitely a very versatile player. He can play in many different positions and do it very well. And these days, I think multi-position players are valued very highly. So in that sense, Tyler Wade is very important. You want to be able to put a guy at multiple positions. That's very, very helpful. It's a great quality to have in a player. Not to mention how freaking fast the guy is. The guy runs like a lightning bolt. He's probably amongst the fastest players I've seen. The guy's a bullet, good defense, and lethal on the base paths. But offense has never really been too much of a strong suit for him, and I think that's what turns some people off. But one thing's for sure, we have seen much more of Tyler Wade than we have of Tyro Estrada. And because of my curiosity with Thyro the fact that he's healthy now, and he can take over for DJ in this opportunity, I want to see what he's got. The kid has talent. He's gone deep a couple of times in these intra-squad games, and I don't want to look too much into the intra-squad games because, again, they're just that, intra-squad games. But I do still want to mention some big things that happened in these games because, you know, they still happened. And I think they're worth looking into or discussing at least a little bit. Like, even later on in Yankees news when I run through some talking points throughout the intra-squad games, I'm barely going to be spending any time on each intra-squad game, but at the same time, I'm still going to be briefly discussing some big things that happen in the games that are worth talking about because they did happen, and they they're at least worth mentioning. But in any event, Thyro Estrada in the major leagues has only had 69 plate appearances, 64 at-bats. We haven't seen much of the guy. He does seem like a very capable hitter at the plate, so I do think he has that over Tyler Wade, even though, again, granted, we have seen much more of Tyler Wade, so it's a much smaller sample size of Thyro, so it might not be completely fair to make that comparison, but based on what we've heard about Thyro Estrada in the past, what we saw from him briefly last year, and maybe even in these intra-squad games, going deep a couple of times, maybe it's time to give the kid a chance. And he's also respectable at playing defense. So with those facts combined, along with the fact that we already pretty much know what Tyler Wade is made of and which role would suit him best, we don't really know too much about Thyro Estrada as far as physical evidence in playing major league games. And maybe that's all the more reason to give the kid a chance, to see what he's got. I want to see him continue to carry on the word of him being good at the plate. I want to see him continue carrying on his defensive capabilities. And truth is, while I do feel Tyler Wade is a talented player, I do feel that we now know what suits him best at this point. And right now... I feel like Tyler Wade could be a lethal force off the bench as a pinch runner, as a defensive substitution in the field, wherever you need him to go, because again, he's very versatile. He'll go anywhere you need him to. That's a great quality in a player. Off the bench, defensive substitution, pinch runner. I think he is a lethal force in that sense. I love Tyler Wade for those roles, but being given a chance, I think it might be Thyro Estrada's turn. Let's see what the kids got. Now, despite my opinion, I do think the Yankees are going to go with Tyler Wade. I think they just really love Tyler Wade, and I don't have a big problem with that. It's just that at this point in time, I would like to see Thyro Estrada get a chance. But I do think the Yankees are going to go with Tyler Wade. Despite my opinion, I think they will go with Tyler Wade, if need be. Because I do think they very much value his versatility, his speed, and they've spoken about all this in the past already, how much they value Tyler Wade as a player. Not that they don't value Tyler Estrada, but they just really seem to be big fans of Tyler Wade. And that's fine. The kid does have his talents. But also, I think it might be appealing for some because, of course, and everyone loves to mention this, the Yankees for some time now have been short a left-handed bat. And Tyler Wade also provides that. He's a left-handed hitter who throws righty, so hitting left-handed might also be an appeal to some people. Now, personally, I do somewhat value the left-handed hitters in the lineup, and I do know that you need, to a certain degree, to have that mix of righties and lefties. However, with how killer the Yankees lineup has proven to be in recent years, I tend to not be so over-obsessive about that, because, obviously, the Yankees have had a vast majority of righties, and look how killer the offense has been. Not to say that lefties aren't important. Again, I do value that to a certain degree though. I do not over-obsess about it like I feel some others do though because of how killer the Yankees' offense already is. So all in all, after me giving all of my takes about this, although I do like Tyler Wade and I do think the Yankees will ultimately go with him, I would like to see Thyro Estrada get a chance. But again, this is crazy. A 50-50 dead tie in the Twitter poll results between these two choices. So let's hear what people have to say down in the replies. We'll maybe read about 15 to Twenty of them, as we usually do. Then we'll move on to the poll on Instagram, followed by Yankees news. So let's start off the Twitter replies with at TeganGram23, and Tegan says, "I love Tyler Wade, but I would love to see some Thyro this season. Great promise in him, and we've already seen Wade. I'm curious to see how Thyro does." Yeah, Egan me too. As you just heard me say when I gave my take on it, a lot of it's just curiosity. We majorly know what Tyler Wade is made of already. So let's see what Thyro's got. I totally agree. At Tat 631 says, I'm going with Estrada solely on the basis of seeing what he's got. Wade can help the team, but this season it wouldn't hurt to put players to the test. Yeah, I agree, Bobby. The curiosity on having not seen too much of Estrada could be enough, and I echoed the same sentiment earlier, to want to see him get that chance. So I totally agree with that. And yes, if there is any season to experiment, it is this season, as of course, This season is more different than anything we have ever experienced as baseball fans and just sports fans in general. All sports fans are experiencing differences in their sport like they haven't seen before because of everything that's happened. So yeah, if there is a year to experiment, this would be the one. At Peace Now for Life says, I say give Estrada a chance. He looks healthy and ready to prove himself. Wade would be a great option off the bench, but if DJ isn't ready to go, let's see what Estrada can do. Hell yeah, I totally agree. Let's see the new kid prove himself. At Laura underscore Ismont says, A tough choice, but I went with Estrada. I would like to give him a chance and see what he can do. I like Wade, but he's been around for a while. I'd rather save him for the bench so he can easily play multiple positions if someone gets injured. And yeah, you know from before, that's partially my reasoning too, and that's probably why also the Yankees will pick him over Estrada ultimately, but the fact that he can play multiple positions, like you say, Laura, that could work in the favor of him coming off the bench whenever they need him, while Estrada is the primary replacement at second while DJ's out, and Wade could work as that lethal force off the bench as a pinch runner, a defensive substitution, as I said earlier. So yes, I completely agree with your reasoning. And yeah, none of these Estrada picks are any digs at Wade. It's just, again, like so many people have said, we know what Wade is made of up to this point. Not that it's a bad thing, but for good reason. A lot of people, including myself, just think that a bench role for Wade right now would probably suit the team better. You want everybody to get a shot, but if it comes down to two names, you're going to have to pick which one you'd rather. So yes, Laura, especially because you could substitute him anywhere defensively, or you could put him on as a pinch runner if he's coming off the bench. Those very reasons, him being versatile and... And having incredible speed, while as you say, would be incredibly valuable coming off the bench, along with the fact that the Yankees just know him better up to this point, as we've said, will probably give Wade the ultimate edge to be that DJ replacement over at second base until DJ comes back though. But I completely agree with your thinking. Up next is at Little Gel, and Gel says, Wade, I'm not ready to crown Estrada with 69 at bats. Plus, Wade is fast as bleep. (laughs) There's another word there. I'm going to substitute it with the word hell. How about that? Because we don't curse on yapping Yankees. We know that. So I'll rephrase that sentence to plus Wade is fast as hell better? Yeah, I think it's better. (laughs) So Wade is fast as hell, plays multiple positions, excellent defense and creates his own runs. Well, yes, Wade does do all those things and he does them well, as we've given him credit for here, Gel. Nobody's denying that. And to be fair, as I've said, I actually think that's why the Yankees will ultimately side with him because of those qualities that he has. But even though we've seen a small sample size of him, we have heard a great deal of how skilled Estrada is both at the plate and defensively, and we both know that off is not a strong suit of Tyler Wade's. I think because of what we've heard of him and if he can prove himself defensively as well that a young kid like Estrada who we have not seen nearly as much from as we have Wade, we should see what the kid's got. It's the natural curiosity that says oh, we haven't seen much of him, let's see if he can prove himself in this big opportunity while DJ is out. Because there seems to be a great deal of people also in the Yankees organization that have talked up Estrada an awful lot. That's where a lot of the reports on his skill have come from, from within the Yankees organization. So yes, while Wade definitely has those attributes, and we know that he has those skills as a player because he's been around for a while now, and we know what he's made of, but this also might be an opportunity to fully see what Estrada's made of. And I hate to be a wise guy, but he had 64 at-bats. He had 69 plate appearances. (laughs) I'm so sorry I couldn't help myself. I can definitely be a bit of a wise guy. Don't count that part of me out. <laughs> so up next we have at official Stacy and she says Estrada. All right Stacy at Nelly Nell 51573 says Estrada probably gets the job even if Wade starts at second. short season ain't got time to struggle and you need someone who's gonna get it done. I'd give it to Wade a lefty bat to begin with and let it be on a short leash. All right I was pretty confused with the supply at first because it says Estrada probably gets the job even if Wade starts at second. I mean, the question was about getting the starting job at second. So, are you saying that Wade might start there, but then after a while, Estrada might get the job if Wade underperforms? I... Think that might be what you were trying to say? But yeah, I don't know. This might be on a short leash to begin with because who knows? DJ could come back very shortly after the season starts and either one of them may not even have to cover the position for very long. But yeah, that's one thing for sure. There's definitely not much room for struggling like there would be in a 162-game standard marathon baseball season, but you don't have that luxury in a 60-game season. All right, let's keep going. We'll do a couple more at MountainGal456 says this was a tough one as I like both players and I want them to get a shot I'll go with Estrada since he's been looking good in summer camp And I already know what Tyler Wade brings to the table, which I like as well Well, yeah, absolutely And I gave Tyler Wade his due credit before with the attributes as a player that he has that are very very likable Nobody's denying that and even though I would like to see Estrada get a chance. That's totally not a knock on Tyler Wade I definitely think he still has a lot of good attributes as a player as I said before lots of good qualities. But yeah, as you said, and I agree, and I did mention it before, Estrada's gone deep a couple of times in these intra games. He's looked really good. He's looked good on defense, and the fact that he's finally healthy now, and we all know what Tyler Wade primarily brings to the table now, but we don't know as much with Estrada. You might want to give Estrada the chance. At Laker 477 says Estrada, Wade is much more versatile coming off the bench late in the game. And yeah, I agree with that. Part of what I said before with the defensive substitution, or if you want to use him as a pinch runner when you really need to run to score on a gapper or a base hit, or maybe you need to steal a base to get into scoring position late in the game to get a vital run across home and win the game, especially in a setting like the playoffs when every run is crucial. Yeah, as I said before, there really aren't many better in baseball than Wade at that. His speed changes things. And again, Saying that you want Estrada getting the chance at second base is not a knock on Wade. I think I have more than given Wade his credit when it comes to his qualities as a player. But I do agree, in a role like that, he could be lethal. Then up next we had at Yankees Guy 93 says Estrada Wade is better used as a bench guy and not in a starting spot. I agree. As I've said, I completely agree with that. And I think people are more confident in saying that about Wade because, as I said before, at this point, Wade has been around for some time. We primarily know what he's made of and what position may suit him best in a scenario like this. Up next is my lovely girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and she says, eh, Estrada. And then she replied with a GIF of a little girl looking very, very sad, and points up to the GIF saying, that's me being sad that DJ has COVID. <laughs> oh, listen, we're all sad too. DJ is a vital part to this team. And if 2019 didn't make that point, then I don't know what will. DJ was one of the best pickups, I think, in recent Yankees history, and I will forever pat myself on the back for defending the signing of him when everybody wanted Harper and Machado, and I went out and said, give DJ a chance, give him a chance. I did used to follow him a bit in his days in Colorado, great gold glover. He was solid at the plate, but everybody likes to bring up all the Coors Field effect, Coors Field, Coors Field, give the guy a chance. He's a talented guy, great defender, and he hits to get on base, which I thought would be a breath of fresh air for the Yankees lineup, and what happens? Well, it's self-explanatory. Watch almost any game from last season, and you tell me what you think about that signing. So I think that'll always go down as one of my better takes of all time, defending the DJ signing. But yes, Vic loves DJ a lot, as do we all, and she's very sad like the rest of us, but Again, hopefully this discussion will not even have to last for long, and hopefully he's back soon, as close to opening day as possible. Then we had at NYYFanForever96 saying, I think Thyro Estrada, I would save Tyler Wade for the 10th inning where the runner at second rule exists. That's a good one. Now that would be A plus right there. I completely agree with that. I think that was literally created for Tyler Wade. Definitely could be a part of his responsibility coming off the bench. At gruds2 says, need a lefty bat. Wade could put up good numbers if he gets the chance. I think Wade could put up decent offensive numbers, maybe, but as we said before, offense is not really Wade's strong suit, so I think he would do okay. And as I said before, although I do to a certain degree acknowledge the importance to mix righties with lefties in a lineup, I'm not one of those to go crazy over that when it comes to the Yankee lineup because of how killer the lineup already is. So I'm not going to go crazy when it comes to incorporating lefties into a lineup, especially not one in Tyler Wade who's not really known for his offensive capabilities. But I suppose I understand why some people think it's so important to include lefties. And I do too, but just to a certain degree, especially given how good the Yankees lineup already is. At DanB6237 says Estrada, but Wade would be a good pinch runner if it goes into extra innings. Yeah, that's similar to what was said a few replies ago about him being a good placement at second base in extra innings with the runner on second rule instilled. So yeah, I agree on both counts. All right, let's finish up with at Laura underscore Navins, and she says, We've already seen what Wade has to offer. He's okay. Estrada is finally healthy and could definitely be a difference maker. I totally agree, Laura. And if he continues to hit the way he has in these intra-squad games and continues to prove himself valuable even defensively, although I do admit the Yankees will probably side with Wade ultimately, it would really be hard to not give Estrada that starting job while DJ's out. And as I said throughout these replies, and even when I gave my own take before I even started reading the replies, I think that substitution late in the game or throughout a game off the bench maybe would be a much better fit for Tyler Wade currently and let's see what Estrada can do especially if he continues to prove himself in these exhibition games but as for Twitter that's all for today with the replies as always thank you all so much for the poll interactions on there let's head on to Instagram before we wrap up this week's poll segment and get to some Yankees news and obviously on Instagram the same question applies if need be who would you rather see getting a shot at second base in DJ's absence Now, as I said before on Twitter, the results were dead split down the middle, 50-50, which was crazy. Over here, we did have a definitive winner, but still not by that much. On Instagram, the choice of Thyro Estrada was victorious by earning 57% of the vote and the remaining 43% voted for Tyler Wade. So even though it's not 50-50 like Twitter, the outcome was still really close. But let's read just a couple of replies from Instagram before moving on to Yankees news. We'll start with Matt Schwartz.14. and Matt said, Wade has been so clutch for the Yanks when people were injured. Gotta love the guy. And yes, that's true. We've spoken about that plenty in this poll segment, how Wade is very reliable when it comes to when people are injured, his versatility and ability to play so many different positions on the field, which, as I said in today's game, is such a valuable quality in a player, and I have given Wade his due credit for that. So yes, you are right. His versatility, his defense, his speed... He is exceptional in all of those categories, and they're all admirable qualities. So yes, I do agree that in the past, how versatile he's been, when injuries have happened, and my God, do us Yankee fans know injuries these last couple of years, we do know how valuable that that quality is. But that could also be a reason why he would be so valuable off the bench as opposed to a starter. But yes, some other people also said that it could be on a short leash, or maybe they could change it before DJ comes back. If they don't like how it is, if Wade does start, I don't know, we'd have to see and some of it depends also as I said before how long DJ's even out for in fact a lot of it depends on that so a lot of it is just we'll have to wait and see for now obviously we're just giving our takes as fans but let's finish off with the Instagram replies as always with my amazing mother Julia Gina Scudero and my mom says I'm not sure about Estrada yet because I haven't seen enough but I am curious to see more of what he can do But I'm going with Wade because I love his speed. Speed is key at second, or anywhere on the field. That is completely understandable, Mom, and yeah, you're the prime example of maybe having that curiosity take over. The fact that you haven't seen a lot of Estrada yet may make you want to see what he's truly made of if he can prove himself, and this is the opportunity to do it. But yes, you cannot overstate the importance of speed, especially in today's game when the game is so home run oriented and power driven, which is fine. But because of that, in the last amount of years, ...baseball has changed. Many years ago, as we know, it used to be get on base, maybe even bunt the runner over to second, and then drive him in any way you can. And, again, not that there's anything wrong with it, but with a great deal of today's players... A lot of it is just try to hit the ball as hard and far as you can. Just try to hit bombs. And that's why, and understandably so for some people, the element of Wade's gameplay may be like a breath of fresh air. A speed-oriented guy, really good at defense. When he gets on base, he does everything he can to try to get home and score that big run that might be needed in a crucial point in a huge game. But again, as I and many others have said, that's also a quality that could be done from the bench effectively. While someone whose time it might finally be to prove himself, Estrada, who looks good defensively and especially so far albeit having a much smaller sample size than Tyler Wade, proving himself offensively, which Tyler Wade has mostly not done, in a much bigger sample size. So yes, while obviously an argument can be made for either side, I think. In my mind, the one who gets the edge here, as I've explained ad nauseum throughout this poll segment, is Thyro Estrada. And it does seem like it was a damn good question, because if you look at both social media platforms, especially Twitter, where the results were straight down the middle, 50-50, only Instagram gave Estrada that slight voting edge, not even by that much, 57% against 43 on Instagram, and Twitter split right down the middle, 50-50, Exactly. So, good question this week, and definitely a lot of good input from all of you in this poll segment, and I think everyone on both social media platforms gave solid reasoning for whatever their choice was. But those are this week's replies for the poll on Twitter and Instagram. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to join in on the fun with this week's Yapping Yankees poll. I greatly appreciate all the interaction, guys. You know that. And you know the drill. If I wasn't able to get to you this week, just keep on replying to the polls each week, and I'll definitely get to your response on another poll in the future. You know I do my best to get to absolutely everybody but unfortunately sometimes it's just not easy to get to everybody. But do not let that make you lose hope, my friends. Just keep on commenting and I promise I'll get to you. But without further delay, we're already a good amount of time into this episode. Let's keep things rolling right here on episode 55 of Yapping Yankees and touch on all that has transpired throughout this past week in Yankees news. Starting with the release of the Yankees 60 game 2020 season schedule. That's right, we can now finally see who the Yankees will be taking on this season and when, as they'll face their Eastern opponents in the American League and National League Eastern divisions for the regular season. So, let's run through their opponents, and I'm actually this might surprise some of you, but I'm actually going to hold off on giving my prediction for what I feel will be the Yankees' final record come the end of the season until next week's episode. Since next week's episode will be the final one before the start of the season. So I thought it would make more sense to hold it off until next week and then give my final prediction on what the Yankees record will be at the end of the season. So after we go through the schedule now, I will then leave you in suspense for my prediction on the Yankees record come the season's end until next week's episode. So my friends... Obviously, we know the Yankees are opening up the season in Washington, D.C. against the defending champion Washington Nationals. That'll be a three-game series beginning on July 23rd with the big pitching matchup of Garrett Cole against Max Scherzer to kick off the season that we talked about last week. And that three-game series against the Nationals will be followed by four consecutive games against the Phillies, two at Citizens Bank Park, and two right here in New York at Yankee Stadium. I think the Phillies could play the Yankees tough, but I think the Yankees can handle them. After that, the Yankees... Yankees will play the Red Sox three times here in New York at Yankee Stadium, and I don't really expect anything big out of the Red Sox this year. I think the Yankees will do fine against them. Then the Yanks play three games on the road against Baltimore. I, of course, don't think Baltimore will amount to anything. And then they have four games in Tampa against the Rays. And if you know anything about what I've said about the Rays, both here on this podcast in the past and how I talk them up on social media, you will know that I think the Rays are one of the legitimate threats to the Yankees. I don't think they're as good as the Yankees, but I'm always confident constantly impressed with how much the Rays do with so little. They have always notoriously been a team with a low payroll, but always happens to get great talent on their team. Just really solid, scrappy talent that'll even play a really good team really tough. And they tend to be a bit of a scary team at times, and a scrappy team that you just don't want to face. So while I do think the Yankees will do fine against them, I also think the Rays will definitely play the Yankees really, really tough, as they've had a tendency of doing in the past. Then Atlanta will come to town. The Yankees play the Atlanta Braves for two games at Yankee Stadium. Of course, the Braves, I see them probably winning the NL Eastern division again, so they may be a bit tough, but I also see the Yankees handling them pretty well. I just have a lot of confidence in the Yankees this year. I truly do. Then the Yanks take on the Red Sox again right here in New York for four games, followed by a three-game series here in New York against the Tampa Bay. Bay Rays, Then the Yanks will face the crosstown rival New York Mets for three games in Citi Field, followed by the Atlanta Braves for two games on the road at Truist Park, which I really know is SunTrust Park, but they did have their name change. Then the Yanks will come back home to face the Mets for another three games, followed by Tampa for another three games in New York. Then they hit the road again to face the Orioles and Toronto each for three games. Then they'll come home to face the Orioles again for four, followed by the Blue Jays again here in New York for another three. And when it comes to the Blue Jays, we. we We know that they have a very nice young core that they've built there, but again, without getting into too many specifics because we are just running through the schedule here, I do still think they have a bit more work to do before they legitimately stand up to a big dog in the league like the Yankees. But like the Rays, I do still see it possible that they could play the Yankees tough. They played the Yankees tough last year. So then after the Yankees finish up that three-game series here in New York against the Blue Jays, they then hit the road again to face the Red Sox for three games, then the Blue Jays again for four games at Rogers Center, and then the Yankees will finish off the season against the Miami Marlins here in New York, a three-game series with the season ending on September 27th. So as we've said, just over two months of action beginning on July 23rd and ending on September 27th for our beloved boys in pinstripes. And as we've said in the past, and as you heard throughout this schedule, the Yankees, of course, throughout the season are, in fact, only versing their regional opponents, so their opponents in the AL East and then Eastern opponents over there in the NL East, giving them more interleague matchups as well. So that's the schedule, guys, and I'll be sure to give you my prediction for their final record once the season is said and done again on next week's episode. But it's just good to finally have the schedule out because you really look at it and say, wow, okay, we're really getting ready for the season to start. And it just gets you that much more hyped. So again, on next week's episode, we'll dive into what I feel will be the Yankees' final record come the end of the 2020 shortened season. But speaking of schedules, and considering we're nowhere near that yet, and we're just trying to get through this season to begin with, so I don't want to look too far ahead to 2021 because we're just trying to get through 2020 right now. So I really don't want to get into the entire 2021 schedule or talking about anything from it yet. But there is one aspect of it that was announced this past week, earlier in the week, alongside the announcement of the 2020 schedule, that I really do think is important to mention. And it's something really, really nice. The occasion that it's for isn't nice, but the night has real potential to be absolutely heartfelt, touching, and really, really emotional. And the announcement of this special night came alongside the announcement of also the 2021 schedule. So the 2021 schedule is out as well. But again, we're just trying to get through 2020 right now. So we'll tackle the 2021 schedule another time, maybe in the offseason or maybe later on in the year. But right now, I just really want to quickly hit on the special night. One special particular night planned for 2021. And this special night will be taking place in September. September 11th, to be exact, which will mark 20 years since the tragic day of 9-11, the tragic terrorist attacks that took place on that horrible day, the 20th anniversary of that horrid day. September 11th, 2001, and fast forward to now 20 years later. 20 years. Crazy, isn't it? It really, really is. 20 years since the tragedy of 9-11 occurred on September 11th, 2001. And for this anniversary, this 20th year anniversary of that terrible, terrible day in American history, Major League Baseball has planned something special, very, very special. And I just had to mention it alongside the announcement of the release of the 2021 schedule that took place throughout this past week. But this was really the big piece of news that was discussed upon the release of the 2021 schedule the last few days, and that is what Major League Baseball planned for that night. And it'll definitely do very well to bring people together yet again, I imagine, in the face of such a horrific memory, especially for New Yorkers. The plan is Major League Baseball scheduled for the Yankees to face the Mets at City Field on September 11th next season. Now, I imagine this is going to be an extremely heartfelt and special night, as I said before, which will also result, I hope, in a remarkable and memorable Subway Series game. But this is definitely a special thing to do, and I hope it's a night that we remember forever. That's really something, though. Having the Yankees and the Mets facing each other that night in Citi Field for such an emotional night, especially for New Yorkers. And trust me, I'm not downplaying the rest of the country. It was a terrible day for the entire nation. But it hits even more differently for us New Yorkers. It really, really does. So I just wanted to announce those plans by Major League Baseball. I think they're great plans. I think it was a phenomenal idea to do that for the 9-11 anniversary. A lot of people were saying that they should do that every year. And hey, maybe that's something that they'll do going forward now that people raised the idea of possibly doing that every year. But for now, for the 20th anniversary, what a great idea. And I think it's going to be a night that we remember forever. I imagine whatever they have planned for the pregame will be beyond emotional And hopefully even after that, as even more of a unifying force for New Yorkers, especially the Yankees and the Mets, hopefully have an iconic game after that, just to put a cap on what should be a remarkable night. So kudos to MLB for doing that. And I know people will be going crazy trying to get tickets for that game. I know I probably will be. As far as the rest of the 2021 season, as I said before, gotta be honest, I'm not too concerned about it at this time. That's why I'm not going to go through it here with you. But of course, for those looking to get ahead of the curb and get their tickets right away for all the games, it certainly is important. Especially after everything that's happened this year, how desperate some people are going to be to try to get back into stadiums. Can't say I blame them. But who knows just how much things will be normal or might not be normal even come 2021. I don't want to talk like that. But again, who knows? But you best believe, right when the fans get the all clear to be able to attend sporting events again and go to stadiums, (laughs) I think games almost everywhere are going to be routinely sold out. But unless you're one of those people who likes to get their tickets insanely early, the 2021 schedule isn't really unbelievably important right now. Again, we're just trying to get through 2020 right now. Trying to see to it that this season is played and completed. So, one step at a time, you know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself here. The one quick thing that probably is worth mentioning for 2021 is that teams will play their first games on April 1st. So we will have, for the first time in quite some years, a season beginning in April again, as opposed to the end of March. Not that it makes much of a difference, it's just a few days, but just thought I'd mention that. We've had plenty of seasons begin the first few days of April, but a decent amount of them in recent years have actually started earlier, at the end of March, as we know. So for now, I'll leave you with that little bit of information having to do with the 2021 schedule. But that's your dish of information having to do with both the Yankees' 2020 schedule and the special announcement regarding the plans for the 20th anniversary of 9-11 in September of 2021. That's your schedule talk here on Yapping Yankees for now, that was all Released at the beginning of this past week, so I thought since all of that was released first, we'd do the schedule discussion first. And again, I will revisit the 2020 schedule somewhat during next week's episode when I give you my prediction on what the Yankees' record will be after they've played their final game of the season, which, as we said earlier, will be against the Miami Marlins. But before we end today, let's run through the rest of the week. Since the schedules were released at the beginning of the week, let's go from there with this past week's intra-squad games, along with some talking points from some of them, and also who that third Yankees player is that tested positive for COVID, and how that's going to affect the Yankees going forward. So let's stick to Monday when the schedule information was released, and go from there. So along with the release of the schedule information, the Yankees, of course, had their first intra-squad game. And I hyped it up like crazy on last week's episode alongside the intra-squad game that happened on Tuesday. Because listen, intra-squad or not, exhibition or legitimate game regardless, baseball is back on the television. Whether the Yankees are versing themselves in an intra-squad game, or if they're versing another team in an exhibition, or if it's a regular season game, they're back on television. And I just couldn't wait for it. And you best believe when it came around I was just as excited or maybe even more excited than I was putting out at the end of last week's Yapping Yankees episode and there was a lot of excitement in that episode mind you there was really a lot of excitement I was so hyped up just give me baseball injected into my veins and as I said earlier it was really funny seeing them play in an empty stadium it was really jarring but at the same time baseball is back on TV and at the end of the day that's all I cared about and in the first intra-squad game on that Monday night six days ago, just like the rest of the inter squad games have been like, you have the Yankees against the Bombers... And again, this is really just the Yankees splitting themselves up and forming two different teams to play each other while they get ready for opening day, of course. So it was the Yankees against the Bombers, as it has been for every intra-squad game so far. And the Yankees are primarily filled, and not totally, but primarily filled with many of the regular and big bats that you would see usually in the Yankees lineup in a regular season game. You know, like Aaron Hicks, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, Glaber Torres, Gary Sanchez. You get the gist. And the Bombers were primarily filled with many of the other players that the Yankees had in their 60-player pool. Some of the regular starters, but primarily the players who usually wouldn't be used in a regular season starting lineup. You get the point. And a big story from Monday night's intra-squad game was how effective Clark Schmidt was. J-Hap also pitched that night, and J-Hap looked really good. Which also does good for my take that I've reiterated a few times throughout these last few months about J-Hap, reminding everybody how good he looked for a small sample size, but still how good he looked in spring training one months ago before the pandemic hit, and how the Yankees were talking him up on just how hard he worked on his craft throughout the offseason. And on Monday, intra-squad or not, he still looked pretty good. But again, the big story from Monday night was the further potential that Clark Schmidt showed all of us fans with his great fastball that had impressive movement on it, and his really sharp breaking pitches. And he was on the side of the bomber, so he was facing the Yankees, where it was primarily filled with many of the regular bats you'd see in a regular season lineup. And yes, granted the hitters and the pitchers too they've gone months up to this point they were working out but they had gone months without throwing to live hitters and hitters had gone months without seeing true live pitching and it is just an intra-squad game, but the Yankees' lineup seemed pretty lost in figuring out Clark Schmidt, and you know something? The guy even pitched again yesterday, which we'll get to later once we get to Saturday, and it was really similar stuff to Monday. Both nights, especially Monday, really, really impressive breaking pitches, and even a nice fastball that had some solid movement on it, and nobody had any answers for Clark Schmidt, so he really opened eyes that night, especially my eyes. I was really impressed. And don't forget, this is a guy who thinks that he has the stuff to take on major league hitting and the Yankees seem confident in this too and that makes it all the more incredible how remarkable his stuff is because Clark Schmidt has only pitched in college, single A, and some of double A. He's never even pitched in triple A before and his stuff is this good. This kid is talented so I think that's something worth noting. And we're not going to discuss too many in-depth details about these games or if there was even a score. Obviously, nobody cares about who won these games. But with each one of them, there's a couple of talking points that are worth discussing a little bit. Just some things that were observed and might be interesting to discuss. And on Monday, Clark Schmidt was the really big talking point, I feel. So let's move on to Tuesday. And this was a big night that I was hyped for because this is the night that Garrett Cole took the mound for the first time since baseball stopped back in March, putting a halt to the first spring training when we originally saw Garrett Cole pitch in a Yankee uniform for the first time. And now on Tuesday, for the first time since then, we got to see it yet again. He faced off against Michael King, who under the radar really had an impressive night himself, but inevitably, it was overshadowed by Cole. But Garrett ended up going five innings, allowing just one run on an oppo taco by Anduhar in the first. If you don't know what oppo taco, means that's just basically slang for an opposite field home run. It's not too complicated. But he did just give up the one run on an opposite field solo shot in the first inning by Miguel and Duhar. Cole also struck out six guys and retired the last 10 batters he faced. And he didn't seem too happy about the way he pitched. He had a couple of pitches that were hit hard, but they were outs. But nonetheless, he had a good line on Tuesday. I think he had a fine night, but he wasn't too happy. And other than the hard hit pitches and feeling like his stuff wasn't really too much on the money that night, we also know that Cole tends to be a perfectionist. We have a couple of guys like that in the Yankees rotation, Tanaka being another one of them. And although you can't let that trait run wild, it also usually tends to result in incredible work ethic. And that is what Cole and Tanaka have. But Cole is also just very passionate and intense about his craft, so it's not surprising at all to see how hard he is on himself, but it's also what I love about the guy so much. He has a lot of heart, you can see that much. Just by seeing the way he performs and the way he talks when he discusses pitching, he's truly a great pitching mind, as we've discussed in the past as well. He's like a library of pitching knowledge. I'm still just so psyched that he's a Yankee. But as far as Wednesday, there wasn't any intra-squad action, but it did pick back up on Thursday, and I unfortunately missed this one because I wasn't home for the entirety of the game. But Davey Garcia got a start on Thursday night, and he did pitch a solid inning. And from what I was told, Andujar also didn't look too hot out in right field, which isn't a position I envision him in anyway. And Thyro Estrada, who also went deep earlier in the week, went deep again on Thursday, making people even more intrigued in him, and that was really when the discussion between him and Tyler Wade really started to heat up, which then obviously led to this week's poll. Because throughout these Intrasquad games, he also continued to remind us of his defensive capabilities, as I also gave him credit for in the beginning of the show as well. So Thursday was another good night of Intrasquad action. When it came to Friday's Intrasquad game, it was interfered with by the tropical storm that passed through New York that day. What a joy that storm was to deal with. So no intra-squad on Friday. And yesterday, there was Intrasquad action, but weather cut it short. So the rain has gotten in the way of some intra-squad gameplay the last couple of days for the Yanks, but at least they still played somewhat yesterday, right? Something's better than nothing. I did watch a little bit of it, saw Lawizaga pitched a little, saw Hicks get an RBI double, saw Britton pitch, and they got action in before they put the tarp out. Judge was also scratched from this game with a stiff neck, and he also didn't play in today's squad either, but try not to make a bigger deal out of that than it is. It's a stiff neck, and they're just being precautious because these are squad games. You don't want to push too much to the point of worse injury, and after all that Judge has been through with the rib, you want him ready come opening day. You don't want to push it with squad games, so if you're making huge deal out of this just chill okay I know seeing these injuries is frustrating but chill out even Boone said he's not concerned about it But, I'm also probably wasting my time saying chill to certain people, since many of them tend to overreact over things like a player having a stiff neck for a living, even if it's just to get on people's nerves. So, all in all, Judge should be fine. And if he's not, then crucify me later for all I care, which I don't. I'm just going based off the information we have right now, obviously. And he shouldn't be missing much more time, especially not come opening day. So let's just relax a little bit when it comes to overreacting about Judge's stiff neck. Unfortunately though, there is a Yankee that will be missing some time. Quote-unquote, the foreseeable future, in fact. And that would be, as I mentioned earlier, the third Yankee who tested positive with COVID-19 alongside DJ LeMahieu and Luis Sessa. And this Yankee happens to be one of the bigger names in baseball as he's one of the top closers, Aroldis Chapman. I know, not good news at all and people have said he'll likely be missing, as I said before, the foreseeable future, in a season that's already just 60 games long. Because this was just reported on yesterday. And obviously, we don't know how long he'll have the virus for since it tends to affect almost everyone at least a little differently. And then he has to test negative, go a full day, and test negative again. Then he'll have to get ready to go again. Plus, you also have the concern of, was anyone close to him since summer camp started that could have contracted the virus too? And of course you hope not, but who knows? This is the world we're living in right now, guys. It sucks. It absolutely sucks. The silver lining in all of this though? The Yankees did report that his symptoms are mild, so that's a good thing. And I wish Chap a speedy recovery. In the meantime, while Chapman is recovering from the virus, someone will have to take his place as the Yankees' closer. Two main names thrown around have been Ottavino and Britton. And of course I definitely think Ottavino is a great pitcher, don't get me wrong. But in the closer role, I think Britton is the choice personally. He has a lot of closing experience from his days in Baltimore, and Ottavino has lots of experience back in his days in Colorado as a setup man. And they've both had a great deal of success in those roles in the past. So I think that's the best choice. Britton returning to the closer role that he's very familiar with given his past in Baltimore, and Ottavino as a dominant setup man. But yes, this goes without saying... Losing Chapman like this is quite a blow for the Yankees. And we all hope that Chapman gets better as soon as possible. Again, it just sucks. It all sucks. The virus this year, it just really stinks. But finally, when it comes to today's squad, Garrett Cole and Michael King started again like they did on Tuesday, and I have been watching the game in increments as I record, like I said I do when I first started recording earlier. But it seems right now that Cole's day is done as I look at the television, and Gio just tried to make a sick play on an Andujar ground ball, but just couldn't hack it. So Cole is done after throwing 84 pitches in 5 and 2 thirds scoreless innings, giving up 4 hits, getting lots of swings and misses, and striking out 9 guys. He seemed to be more pleased with his stuff today than he did on Tuesday, so that's good And Michael King finished a while ago after three innings He gave up a couple of runs, but still looked fine One of his two runs was on an RBI single by Glaber And again, Cole didn't allow any runs But he did give up his four hits, two of them to Mike Talkman. And overall, everyone seems to be getting into the swing of things at this point pun intended. But everyone seems to be getting into the groove now that they've played a few intra-squads this week. Pitchers are actually pitching to hitters again, and the hitters are finally seeing live pitching again. So there's been more impressive ability and longevity from pitchers and more offense from hitters, and more intrasquads squads will probably continue through this coming week. But the Yanks will also be playing some exhibition games against other teams this coming weekend, so they'll actually be playing other teams other than themselves. And as I said earlier, there are two National League East teams to be exact, and those two teams are the Mets and the Phillies. So the Yankees will get some exhibition looks at other teams other than the other half or so of their own squad and intra-squad games in the Mets and the Phillies. They'll be facing the Mets at Citi Field this coming Saturday the 18th at 7.10 p.m. Eastern, and then they'll face the Mets again the next night, Sunday the 19th, but at Yankee Stadium at 7.05 p.m. Eastern, which is obviously the day I'll be talking to you on the next Yapping Yankees episode, so I'll probably watch that after I finish recording next Sunday. And then on Monday the 20th, And since, again, this will be the day after the next Yapping Yankees episode, I'll probably be mentioning it again come next Sunday, but on Monday the 20th, the Yankees will face the Phillies at Yankee Stadium at 6.05 p.m. Eastern, just three days before opening day in Washington, D.C. We're getting close, guys, and when we talk next Sunday, we'll only be four little days from opening day. So with that being said, that is all for episode 55 of Yapping Yankees. One last shout out to Team Left Jab and Grunt Talks MLB. Team Left Jab features Team Left Jab Uncensored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Be sure to go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, you name it, the list goes on. Be sure to check out Team left jab. And our other shout out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and where they feature yapping Yankees. Also follow the man behind the website, Darren, on Twitter at YankeeReport28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jab for helping spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees. And please don't forget, guys, to go follow me on all social medias as well. You could find my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You could find me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike. Scuds ninety seven. I do hope you SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify listeners enjoyed, as always, as well as you YouTubers out there. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel, and also subscribe and listen to Yapping Yankees episodes on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And while you're at it, listen back to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you've missed. Episodes thirty four up to this one, episode fifty five, are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you 3,000 for listening from the bottom of my heart, guys. I'm Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, July 19th, when I come at you with episode 56 of Yapping Yankees. Until then, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe out there, and look out for your loved ones. Have a good week, guys. I'll talk to you next Sunday when we're even closer to opening day. Take care.